Consider yourself lucky. You've got two full Locked On Gators episodes coming out today as Joshua Bud Davis, who many Gators fans know through Twitter, is here for Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being Lockdown Gators, your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. Also, if you didn't hear already, two episodes today, both with Joshua Bud Davis talking about Florida, talking about Georgia. It's going to be wild. This episode of Lockdown Gators, though, is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Florida Gators and Georgia Bulldogs on Sling, the TV you love for a price you love. Try it today. Joining me now for Lockdown Gators is Bud Davis. I'm assuming that's what you would prefer I call you. I don't yeah. know, man. Perfect. <laughs> Joining me now is Bud Davis, and we're going to talk some Florida Gators football. I guess you could say by the numbers. Yeah. I guess I, I guess we'll say. Uh, and one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was everybody knows with Billy Napier in throughout his entire career, really has loved working out of twelve personnel. That's that's been a big thing for him. Florida's doing it a ton, and I'm curious to know how. I guess we could say effective or efficient Florida is out of twelve personnel or even other personnel groupings. If you have that information. Um, just because it, it's been something that Florida does a lot. Now it's kind of a little wonky where with Louisiana, Billy would rotate a lot of the tight ends. And here it's pretty much Xanders and Zipper are playing the huge majority of the snaps. And it, it's kind of insane just how many snaps you're playing when, I don't know. I, I don't want to say they're not better than the other tight ends, but I think that the talent drop-off isn't a massive drop-off there. So I'm curious if the numbers show anything otherwise. Yeah, for sure. So he is playing a lot more 12 personnel. Like, you know, I've got the numbers. We can look at those. But, you know, relative to other teams, he's playing a lot of 12. Um, Well, look, Georgia's playing a ton of 12 too. And both of them have want to use the tight ends with what they're doing on offense. And both of them actually have actually found a lot of success doing it. Um, and we can kind of look at these numbers uh, as we get into it. But 12 personnel has, has been our most effective personnel grouping. Um, and it's tough to tease out, you know, whether that's situational, whether we're bringing in these tight ends in situations where we feel good, where we can lean on our run game. And that's where we've been really effective. Um, or if it's really beneficial to take a wide, rec- wide receiver off the field and, uh, get a guy like Xanders out there. And I think that's probably a little bit more to it is we don't have tight ends that are generating astounding numbers, but they're probably doing very good in that that run blocking. And we're probably putting them in in the right situations where we can run plays that are successful. So, Yeah, um, I think that's the thing where you see like Xanders on one side, Zipper on the other, and it kind of gives you like, 
a, a pretty balanced look where it's like, okay, well, there's not two tight ends on one side. You can't really predict where the run is going just based on that. And oftentimes you'll see Anthony Richardson in the backfield, a pistol shotgun, whatever, and the running back right behind him. Yeah. And it's like, well, then you really can't, I guess, uh, guess which way it's going to go based on just that. And where everybody's basing out of nickel now, you know, when we get two tight ends on the field, it's a little bit more of a mismatch. Um, and even though these guys aren't necessarily, you know, world beaters, tight ends, you know, they do have an advantage there relative to subbing them out for um, a replacement level wide receiver. It's a little bit of a wrinkle that I think that I think has worked for us. Um, I'll be curious how much we use it against Georgia and how effective it is because their guys are big, they're strong, and they don't miss tackles. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be just so much fun to see. <laughs> um, I, if you want to pull up those numbers, we, yeah. we, can, we can look at those now and we'll, and we'll get into that and kind of see how Florida really stacks up. Um, yes. So let's just kind of just jump first from the big picture to, to what we're looking at. So what we're looking at here is the expected points added per play of the offense down at the bottom and the defense here on the y-axis. So x-axis on the bottom, y-axis here. And where you want to be if you're a good team is in this top right quadrant. So this means you have a good offense and a good defense. It means when your offense is on the field with each play they run, you get very likely to score more points. And when your defense is on the field, they're good at limiting the off the opponent opposing offense, how likely they are to score points. And so Georgia's good at both. Um, Alabama's good at both. Ohio State's good at both. We've seen Michigan get good at both. Florida's in this quadrant here, which is kind of an interesting one, uh, where we've got a good offense, you know, relative. We've got an above average offense and a subpar defense. And we're kind of here next to like Oklahoma. And this is generally kind of passing the eye test. I think, you know, if you ask most Florida fans what their biggest gripe is with the team, they'd, they'd say the defense, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think everybody can agree with that one. Uh, they'd probably break it down more specifically. And, uh, but we'll talk about that part later on. Yeah. I think what's interesting is like, you look at like guys like Dan Lanning at Oregon and Brett Venables, who's at, Oklahoma, who are also first-year coaches, and, and you can kind of just see, you know, they're struggling. Their defense is about as good as Florida's. They've had a lot of struggles on that side of the ball. And actually, just across college football, there's not that many teams with very good defenses. LSU is about as good of a defense for a first-year coach as anybody's seeing. Um, but nobody here on, on the far top, you know, nobody, no, none of your Alabamas have a first-year coach. You know, Kentucky has a pretty good defense, you know, um, but nobody's really pulled away with a defense who's a first-year coach. So I think that's interesting. I think it in modern football we're kind of seeing it takes a little bit longer to get that defensive scheme implemented. Um, and I think that's just kind of when we're trying to set expectations for this Florida team. We don't have a good defense, but like it's good to keep in mind. Everything's relative, and our defense isn't good, but you know it's comparable to other first-year schools who are struggling as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's at least comforting to know that uh, while the defense isn't playing fantastic, 
Um, <laughs> there, there are worse things. And then, then you're kind of, like you said, you're kind of par for the cur- for the course with the other first-year head coaches, like you mentioned. And Yeah. Uh, if we're down here next year, I think that's going to raise a lot more question marks for me about what we're doing. But, you know, being down here in the first year is, is – it's not fun, but it's also not setting off alarms. Um, so kind of switching gears just like to the big picture of the offenses for this week. Uh, Georgia up here in the right quadrant, they're both good at passing. So passing is on the bottom. Rushing's here on the y-axis. They're good at both, and they're pretty balanced. They're getting a lot of production from their rushing offense, and we'll, we can look at that a little bit more. Uh, Florida's got a pretty good rushing offense themselves. Like I think everybody's pretty happy with it. Um, you know, maybe not the rotation, but we have found a lot of success on the ground this year. Um, yeah, I think especially when you look at just the explosive plays is something where Florida is one of those few teams where it's like they're much more explosive on the ground than they are throwing the ball. That's kind of uh, interesting, or at least yeah. – I don't know what the numbers say, but I know what my eyes say is that way more explosive on the ground than actually throwing the ball. Yeah. And and efficient too. And, and so it's been nice to have one function of our, you know, one part of our offensive game plan working this year. Um, You know, I think passing game, we've been really missing the consistency and, you know, Anthony Richardson has looked a little bit more consistent, but you know, he's still, we don't have a huge sample size on him. Um, We'll kind of see, what he grows into in the back half of this season. We're going to play some better teams and and he'll have some more tests and and it'll be interesting just how he finishes out and if he comes back next year. But I thought he's been pretty good um, for a first year starter and for how much of the offense has to run through him. Uh, New system too, completely different. So Yeah, I think that's an important part that not enough people talk about. It's like a lot of guys where it's like, oh, he's a first year starting quarterback they've usually had a year or two backing someone up in that same system. Whereas Anthony Richardson, not only is a first year starter in a brand new system, but he is the focal point of the offense kind of where it's like, well, obviously throwing the balls, obviously going to go through him, but also just he is such a focal point for defenses when they have to key in on anything that it's him. And that's kind of something that is overlooked for him where, I mean, it's tough. It's it's a rough situation there. Yeah, and where we don't have great receivers, I think that makes it harder. Um, you know, we've got some pretty good receivers, but we don't have any game breakers that, you know, opposing DCs are putting on the tape and being like, man, we have to defend Richards. We have to defend Richardson in the box. Oh, and we also have to have safety help over the top because this guy's a world beater. We don't really have those guys. Um, they haven't really broken out for us. We'll see in the back half of, half of the year. You know, if maybe Pearsall or Shorter take a big step forward. Um, but right now, neither of those guys ha- has really been a game breaker, uh, which I think you need. You know, if you want to put up good quarterback numbers, you've got to have uh, those weapons. And I don't know if necessarily Florida has a receiving weapon like we'd like to see. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Save Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know this because, well, I use Simply Safe for my house, which it's fantastic because I've told you guys before this story, and I will tell you again 
There was a time I was on vacation. I got the little notification that was like, hey, bro, you got something. I'm sorry, that was so stupid. <laughs> you got something going on. Um, it, it was just a false alarm. It was my neighbor's kid. Ball came into the yard. They went and got the ball. And Simply Safe was just Simply Safe was looking for smoke. I don't know what to tell you about that point. But it's good because I at least knew I was protected, even though it was a completely false alarm. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at Simply Safe dot com slash locked on college save 20% on your simply safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free visit simply safe.com slash locked on college to learn more and remember there's no safe like simply safe hopefully next year <laughs> yeah exactly um all right so then defense this is the one where we're in the bad quadrant for both um, oh, that's really fun. <laughs> yeah, so we've got the bad rushing defense and the bad passing defense, and I think Gator fans could have told you this. You know, once again, we're down here with uh, both Oregon and Oklahoma. Um, I think a lot of our struggles, you know, start from the front seven. You just kind of look at how bad that front seven is and how little rotation we can get through there with those guys you know, how few a sacks we're generating and, and how many, how few tackles for loss we're generating. And you kind of realize like, okay, Tony's got to bring safeties up to help with these run fits. And, and we're having to get away from kind of the fronts that he wants to run. Cause we don't have the dudes to do it yet. The recruiting looks great for the front seven. Um, but right now we're not there. And so then you're kind of getting away from what you really want to do. And you can't play your safeties over the top as much. You've got to bring them down. And especially with how he likes to do it with rotating them, that you just end up with a lot more potential for confusion. And I think we've seen that. We've seen a lot of blown plays. We've seen a lot of bad run fits on both sides, first rushing and passing. So you know, we've seen a lot of those mental mistakes, and I'm hopeful that next year those get cleaned up. I think the front seven might still be an issue next year, so you know, I hope this stuff goes away. But we might still have a bad defense next year. I'm kind of worried about it. Yeah, I think one of the things too, like you mentioned, like a lot of it's like mental errors. I feel like every time that at least I complain about a big passing play, like against Tennessee, it was not often that it was someone just getting beat. Like it, it wasn't often where someone just got shook out of their cleats and ran by. It was, you know, Trey Dean standing still and a, and a receiver runs by him. And it's clearly that there's some sort of miscommunication going yeah. on somewhere where it's incredibly frustrating to know that it's mental errors. But I also take a little bit of solace in being like, okay, well, it's the execution at that point. Like I'm not super worried about necessarily the play calls themselves. I'm just like, okay, like, like it's these guys just screwing up somewhere along the way communicating. Yeah. And like defense is a weak leak system. So on a given play, your performance is only as good as the worst guy versus on offense, at least with your skill players, your performance is dictated by how your best player is doing. So on defense, if one guy messes up, you know, the whole thing falls apart. And I think we've seen that over and over. And it's not necessarily one dude. I think we've seen a lot of guys make mistakes. And, you know, it's tough to know exactly what it is. You know, is it the play call? Like, is it the actual coverage that we're in? Is that 
you know, not great for that situation? Is it guys not knowing what coverage is, what the coverage rules are when they motion? I think we've seen Florida have a lot of problems when opponents motion. And I think that's where these mental mistakes really get compounded is, you know, they're, they're motioning into a weird formation and our guys are trying to remember, okay, we're doing this, but now they're in trips. And so what does that mean? Are we in this coverage? Oh, they have two backs. Does that mean we're in this? And, you know, they've got those rules on the playbook and it's just remembering exactly how they break down. Um, while also remembering down and distance and getting to their right spots uh, to make their, you know, to make their reads on the routes. And I, I, I just kind of hope that stuff gets cleaned up. Um, maybe not even this season, but by next year, it definitely needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that, uh, again, I, I'll take solace and be like, okay, it's not necessarily the call, but I will also say it is incredible how often there there's a miscommunication somewhere. Yeah. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people that you want to interview faster and for free. With simple tools like screening questions, it makes it easy for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and higher. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And did you know that nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn every week? Uh, that's pretty impressive. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So let's kind of jump to the game. And so this first figure is how the Florida offense lines up relative to the Georgia defense. And the main thing are, are the green bars are good and the small pink bars are bad. Um, and so you can kind of see where Florida's strengths have been and, and where their weaknesses are. And this is all charting data from sports info solutions. So some of it, you know, the accuracy might not be perfect or it might not be the exact right stat to capture how that person's playing. Like I think a lot of us have been disappointed with Xavier Henderson this year, but like if we only look at how many targets he sees when he's on the field or how often he catches a ball that's thrown to him, he has good stats on those, but he hasn't really broken out with, with these explosive plays like we want. And Pearsall's had a, had more explosive plays. He's been one of our most efficient receivers, and it doesn't really capture that using these two stats. So, like, keep that in mind. But I do think this highlights what Florida does well, which is Richardson's an explosive QB who's got some accuracy issues. We have an explosive running back in Montrell Johnson who forces a lot of a lot of green for Montrell Johnson. Yeah, it's basically 99th percentile in. So boom is how many explosive runs he's generated, and then uh, an explosive run here is like 15, 10. So it's actually based on expected points added. So when those are greater than one, um, so the actual yards might be different, but. In a big situation, he's getting, you know, he has a lot of runs where he's generating a, essentially one point in the scoreboard by how big of a run it was. Got and it. It, it's it's a it's a factor or it's a variant 
variable that you can look at for running backs that actually translates really well from college to the NFL. So it's one that I like to look at a lot. And then looking at our offensive line, we've had some really strong run blocking from our guards um, and pass blocking as well. Both of them, both Torrance and White have been really good this season. And then Rick, Richard Garage has been really good as well, you know, in both phases. And I think we've we've all been really happy with the offensive line pay, play. Um, Kingsley Egocon and Austin Barber, not quite as great, um, but neither of them have been terrible. And, you know, I think we've still been able to have a very effective run game uh, with this offensive line. I think that's like kind of the shining star of the team is this offensive line and running back play. I think that's been, that's been really good. Yeah. I mean, it's been great as a unit. uh, And I'm not surprised at all to see how much green is on that offensive line. And then kind of flipping that with what Georgia is going to match up. This is their front seven. Uh, We'll see if Jalen Carter plays, which you'll kind of notice is with this starting front seven, the missed tackle rate is so low. These guys do not miss tackles. These guys get in the gaps and they bring down the running back at or near the line of scrimmage. And and it's really just like, you don't see a front seven uh, with numbers like these, you know, in all of them that I've generated for this. Um, So I think that's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to watch is our, our running backs getting down, you know, are they getting hit at the line of scrimmage and immediately being brought down? Or are they able to actually get to that second level? Um, and Kirby will play a little fast and loose with his gaps because he has the athletes to to make the plays. And he'll sometimes go a gap down because he thinks he can get guys that are just going to blow up multiple of them. And, and so far it's worked, but it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, we could hit an explosive run this game, and it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, just a huge run to kind of break it open. Um, I think another thing that stands out looking at this front seven is these initial starters on this line are pretty low in their pressure rates. And what you'll see is it's actually pretty higher pressure rates for the guys that they'll rotate in on third down. So I'm going to look to, for Florida to like potentially go higher tempo um, on third downs where we don't let them sub out, try and keep these initial guys on the field um, and potentially try and sustain drives that way. I'll, I'll be really curious what we do to handle that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I like that the pressure rate's not good, that Ballard's whole green circle is pretty scary, scary for me. I know that that's not pressure rate there, but that's pretty intimidating, just like that's been popping out for me quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd imagine second down to third down, you're going to see a lot of no huddle this week because try to get them not on the field. Yeah, they're, all of their cornerbacks have been great, um, low target rates. You know, people aren't beating them by throwing to the wide receivers. Um, you know, a little bit, the deserved catch rates are pretty low for those. These guys aren't getting a lot of pass breakups. That doesn't necessarily mean they're bad cornerbacks. It just means that when they're getting thrown at, these guys aren't necessarily generating a lot of pass breakups or interceptions. Um, when you look at their safety play, you know, Starks is a little bit of the weaker of the two, but he's been great coming up and helping out with the run game. Smith flipped a little bit. He's been a little bit more of their coverage guy. Um, I think Florida, if they want to win this game, is going to need just the explosives 
I'll be curious how we try and attack this defense. I don't necessarily think our guys are better than, than their guys matching up wide receiver to, to cornerback. So I don't know if we're going to get cute with it or just lean on Richardson in the run game. Um, it'll be really interesting to think to try and figure out how Florida can potentially game plan this. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We'll be back in a few hours with a second full episode of Locked On Gators. Joining me again will be Joshua, Bud, Davis, and we're going to have some more fun or sorrow, depending on how you look at the numbers. Make your second listen, Locked On SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Check it out. Get the best coverage, best conference, best university. University of Florida for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. And I will see you all later.